Hello, everyone. Redcode here. And Santier joins him. And we got another podcast for you. Today's podcast is a continuation of our examination of builds in uh, in video games. And in particular, we're looking at builds in Guild Wars, uh, how that affected Guild Wars 1 and how that affected Guild Wars 2. Yeah, and today specifically we're going to be looking at builds in Guild Wars 2 through the lens of what happened in Guild Wars 1, and specifically, what did ArenaNet not like about the consequences of the build system in Guild Wars 1, and, and how do they try to change things? Uh, and just as a, a reminder, the sort of end goal of this is to get an idea of what sort of things lead to build systems that are engaging or feel meaningful, that sort of thing, that that really lead to a connection with sort of your virtual counterpart. Indeed. Looking back to what we talked about in uh, the Guild Wars 1 cast, it has has a pretty good system. There were a lot of really cool things that they did in there. You could do a lot of stuff to really express yourself with it, but it still had some flaws. Yeah, some very serious weaknesses. And so the first of these, um, as we see it, was the system is very complex. It has a, a steep learning curve and it can be very intimidating to new players. And this is a problem that grows with each new game that's released. Remember, it's an MMO, so it you know, you keep making expansions to it. Yeah. Uh, the next thing was that it's very easy for new players to make bad builds. You know, just lots of little inefficiencies, a lot of little things that don't make them work quite right or things like that. And it ends up making the game harder for them in a way that can be really difficult to, to understand that that's happening. Yeah. And finally, we have the concept of build elitism that kind of rolls off of this idea where uh, any player that's, you know, just poking around trying to figure out how the systems works, they're going to make a bunch of bad builds. And the players who want to be really efficient in, at the game, they want they want to party with people that have established builds, things that have been proven to work, um, which means it makes it very hard for players who are really trying to to make their own way through the game, make their own build and perfect it over time to actually make progress and get parties. Yeah, it's it's that teaming up with strangers in particular that can be really challenging. So when ArenaNet made Guild Wars 2, it kind of did so, you know, in part, one of their goals was to try to tackle a bunch of these issues. So we're going to kind of look at each one of these in turn, sort of the complexity, bad builds, and build elitism, and look to see what did ArenaNet do with Guild Wars 2 that looked like things that they were doing to try to address these issues. Obviously, neither of us, uh, well, not obviously, but neither of us has actually worked at ArenaNet. I talked with some of the people there, but not enough to know sort of the thought process mm-hmm. that was going into these things. So this is outside speculation, so take it as speculation. Informed speculation, but speculation nonetheless. Uh, so the first issue that we bring up was complexity. So it's very clear to me that they're approaching Guild Wars 2 with the intent of lowering the overall complexity, and they're trying to lower and, and ease the learning curve. So there's a couple of ways that they did this. The first one, and it's very apparent when you first started up the game, uh, Guild Wars 2 specifically, is that they wanted to make builds have a, a much shallower learning curve by limiting your access to some of that customization as your character levels. So basically when you start off, you have almost nothing. As you use your weapon, uh, the weapons that you have, you unlock weapon skills, and as you level up, you get access to more and more skill slots, things like that, um, more and more things that you can do. So they, they slowly ratchet up what you have access to to try to avoid overwhelming the player with a ton of different things to learn at once, which to me is a pretty reasonable thing to do. 
they also removed the concept of secondary professions, and they also got rid of sort of the attribute system. There was a lot of choices that you had to make with that. And not only that, they found the secondary profession system in particular to cause a lot of burden when it came to trying to make things balanced, for example. So there's a number of reasons why they took that out. They ended up shipping the game with eight professions, and they've added a ninth since. Uh, we won't necessarily run down them in great detail, but just to, to briefly list them. Warrior, Mesmer, Elementalist, Necromancer, Ranger, Thief, and then let's see, the last two were... Because uh, the Revenant oh, was the last one. Revenant's been the most recent one added, so they also shipped with the Guardian and the Engineer. Ah, yes. So those, those are new ones. The Engineer kind of fits into similar mechanical space to the Ritualist, and the Guardian is kind of like... It fits... In kind of a monk paragon warrior sort of area. They had a lot of different things that they changed. But anyway, so that's kind of the, the rundown of those professions. And each one has kind of its own unique mechanic. But you don't have a secondary profession anymore. They also really reduce the number of choices you have to make about what skills to bring. So in Guild Wars 1, any given skill slot could be one of literally hundreds of possible skills. But in Guild Wars 2, most skill slots can only be one of a handful of choices. So you have a total of 10 slots, which is more than the 8 of Guild Wars 1, but the first 5 are linked to your weapons, so you only have 2 weapon slots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really... that's not actually 5, that's that's 2. So you have more like 7 slots. The uh, the 6th slot uh, on the bar is a choice of about 3 to 5 healing skills. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these are self-healing skills predominantly, kind of an equivalent to healing potions. The next 3 skills are a combination of any... Three of about 20 utility skills. So any given character will have around 20, 24 utility skills available to them, something like that. And you pick three of them for these slots. Mm. Uh, the last slot on your bar is an elite skill slot, but this is not the same concept of what an elite skill was in Guild Wars 1. In Guild Wars 1, they were generally a big, important part of your bar. This on the other hand, works a lot more like an ultimate in a MOBA. It could potentially have some very powerful effects, but you're not using it a whole lot, and it's meant to be much flashier and Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing, and very exemplary of what your profession does. Uh, And you have a choice of about three to five skills here. Now remember, these aren't connected to any attributes or anything, and they're there, you use them, whatever. Um, They also really greatly simplified the buff and debuff system. Guilders 1 had a bajillion different buffs and debuffs, and mm-hmm. they've really condensed that down to just a few specific types. So uh, getting to the second thing that they wanted to address uh, was the concept of bad builds. And this is in part hand-in-hand hand with uh, reducing complexity. In particular, by reducing the complexity of the system, it intrinsically reduces the number of bad builds that are possible to make because, quite frankly, there are just less builds overall, so less of them are going to be bad. And also, because of the simplicity of the system, it is easier to identify when a build is bad. They also sought to make balancing easier with the goal of making as many builds as viable as possible. Uh, in other words, they wanted to reduce the effective difference between bad builds and good builds. Yeah, so there's a couple of ways that they uh, went about some of this. So the the first thing that they did is, during development, they added energy potions. Uh, I don't really know why. We can kind of speculate a little bit. Uh, as we were thinking about it, it seems maybe they tried to add them as a money sink, or it seemed a bit more likely. Uh, they kind of wanted to de-emphasize energy management as sort of a necessary play skill, uh, just as a big thing. Or maybe it's just because other games have mana potions, they want to do that. I don't know why exactly. But they tried them out. 
they realized that adding them made energy meaningless, and then they decided, you know what, why have energy? So they got rid of it. They also forced a strict build structure to kind of remove the possibility of just non-functional builds. Uh, and also as part of this, it required everyone to bring a self-healing skill to help ensure individual player survivability. So every profession in Guild Wars 1 had a skill that would heal your, you could use to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people probably wouldn't bring it because yeah. it, it wasn't worth it, but you could make an argument for why it's a good thing for everybody to be able to heal themselves. Yeah. Um, so they also needed to try to address build elitism. You know, they wanted people to be able to find parties and team up with other players. Yeah. So there's a number of things that they did to try to address this. One thing is they made builds more standardized. It means that bad builds, or at least builds that are non-functionally bad. Yeah. Not less optimal builds, but builds that just don't work are basically impossible. So they also kind of adjusted the, the focus of the game a bit to um, to try to open up some sort of this restrictiveness. Like, one of the things that would happen in Guild Wars 1 is you'd, say, get to a zone and you'd fill up your party mostly with what you'd need, but you still needed a couple of healers. That sort of thing could really restrict and bottleneck people's abilities to move on, and they didn't want that in this game. So there's a number of things that they did, but there's some very specific functions that they kind of got rid of. So they got rid of the concept of a dedicated healing class. And a lot of sort of party-wide support now in in Guild Wars 2 is a lot more ambient. It's not as focused. Uh, So it's like you do a thing, it helps you and everybody around you. Or you do a thing and it's like at the people over there, Mm -hmm. right? You're not looking at specific... Targeting a specific person. Yeah, you're not looking at targeting a specific person as much. Also, sort of protection and defensive abilities have overall been simplified. Uh, they wanted a more aggressive game, a mm-hmm. more action-y game. And part of doing that is getting rid of some of the very powerful defensive concepts that were going on in Guild Wars 1. Mm-hmm. And so in Guild Wars 2, they have really simplified these sort of protection and defensive abilities. Most self-defense stuff is kind of focused in the sort of dodge roll mechanic that they added. Uh, all professions have this. You have an endurance bar. You hit a button to do a dodge roll. This makes you invulnerable for a couple of seconds, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever, however long it lasts. Dodging uses half your dodge bar. That's all that bar is used for is dodging, and it slowly regenerates over time. Some some stuff can help it uh, refill faster, but uh, there was also a couple of other changes they made with the game. Probably the one that had the biggest overall impact was sort of changing the game from being focused on instance combat zones with a party to just one big persistent world. And uh, there was a lot of consequences to these changes that they made. So we'll go over some of those now. Yeah. One of the changes we noted earlier was the fact that they removed energy from the game. So the consequence of this... Uh, without energy, the skills didn't have a resource to compete over, and this greatly reduced um, their interplay, almost to the point of non-existence. Yeah, so one of the things that they did is they decided to try to balance the game around recharges rather than having competing energy costs dictating when you could use skills. What that ends up meaning is that using one skill does not prevent you from using another skill because of like amount of energy you have left. So you don't have choices about when you use skills. You just, is this a time when I'd want to use this skill? If the answer is yes, use it. If the answer is no, then just wait until the answer is yes. Uh, so skills that deal damage, you just spam them as much as you can. Mm-hmm. It changes uh, changes a few things about just even the very complexity of approaching that, uh, approaching combat. Yeah. But the other thing that removing energy did was it took out one of the knobs that they could use to balance different skills and also just to make those skills more unique from each other. Yeah. And they were seeking to make a flatter power band 
So what what that means is they didn't want the difference in power from one skill to the next to be particularly existent if they could help it, mm-hmm. and they tried very hard to help it. Uh, and I think they succeeded overall in making the power band flatter, but kind of the result is that A, small variations are really pronounced. So, you know, if all of your skills are five, but one of them's a six and one of them's a four, well, it's really clear you never want to use the four and you always want to use the six. So, and it's just... Nothing feels interestingly powerful. You don't feel like you can discover anything that's like, woohoo, this is amazing. Yeah. It's more like, eh, I guess this is maybe better. Or like, I feel like this one's always better. Things like that, where it's just like, mm. Yeah, less of a sense of a discovery there. Yeah, and for sure. Much less. With that idea, we get into this concept of homogenized play. Yeah, which just means play that's always the same. So this is um, a big personal complaint that I have. I've played every profession in Guild Wars 2, and after a while, I kind of don't feel like any of them are any different from each other. There's a lot of small superficial differences. You know, you play a ranger and you get access to this whole pet system. You play an elementalist. Instead of swapping weapons, you're swapping elements. You know, anybody who's played the game kind of knows what I'm talking about here. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, what are my damage skills? Spam those as much as I can. Oh, people are attacking me. Dodge roll out of the way. I need health. Hit my heal skill. Everything just keeps working the same way, regardless of what profession I'm playing. And it just, it really feels like I'm doing the same sort of actions over and over. Is one of my utility skills actually finally useful? I guess I'll use it. Do I feel like this is actually a good moment to maybe use my elite skill? Does it seem like it's worth it? You know, and let me just take a moment to talk about how much I hate the design of the sort of ultimate style elite skill. It falls into the when will I ever need this sort of hoarder mentality. Mm-hmm. Because the rechargers are usually like a couple of minutes, I never feel like it's an appropriate time to use it because it's like, well, if I use this, I might need it in a, a little bit later. You know, I just never use it. Yeah. But uh, kind of a, a final consequence of, of all of these sorts of things, as we're rolling through some of the repercussions, is that there's been an overall reduction in the number of roles. This, in part, comes out through sort of this homogenized play, where it kind of feels like everything plays the same. It kind of feeds into that, too. Like, they kind of feed into each other a little bit. But it also comes out from it being a persistent world MMO as opposed to an instance combat zone with an emphasis on party tactics. Because the game is designed with the idea of solo players in mind, or mobs of, like, 30 in mind, you really have this sort of broad spectrum. Player characters are designed to be their own self-contained thing. And the end result is it feels like every character is some variety of DPS and blank. Where it's like, I am playing a character whose purpose is to inflict as much damage as possible over time with some elements of, like, supporting the party or something like that, disrupting the enemy a little bit. The game is very, very aggressively focused and very focused on being DPS. And that means you had this huge diversity of roles that you could target to fulfill in Guild Wars 1, and you were significantly contributing to the success and efficiency of your party. But in Guild Wars 2, it feels like if you're not trying to maximize your damage, you're sacrificing the efficiency of your experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just particularly these two previous points, the homogenized play and the sort of reduction in number of roles, it really makes builds a lot less interesting. And so this brings us to one of our closing statements on the on the changes from Guild Wars 1 to Guild Wars 2. 
So they made a lot of the changes in response to problems that they saw in the first game. Now, they had some other changes that they made because they wanted the game to also just feel different, be something else. Yeah, they wanted to do more of a traditional MMO, and Guild Wars 1 wasn't set up to do that. Yeah, but in trying to solve the system's problems... They may have lost sight of what really made the original system special in the first place. I definitely feel like they did. And I feel like that's um, that's a good lesson to just take in general when you're looking to either solve problems in something you're working with currently, or even just like, I want to make a sequel to previous game X. Well, what really made that game work and really examining that? Yeah, or if you make want to make a spiritual successor. Yeah. Right? If you're making a spiritual successor to something, understand what makes that thing tick. Indeed. You know, and that's that's a lot of what you need to capture. And uh, next week, uh, join us as we really get into and examine, looking at these two things, what makes one system a much more engaging mm-hmm. system for builds compared to the other. Just on a more broad concept, we're going to just look at build systems broadly using this sort of lens of what we've learned from examining the Guild Wars games. Yeah, so keep it right here, folks. I mean, you don't have to hang out on our YouTube channel or SoundCloud for the entirety of the week. No, that'd probably be boring. Uh, But, uh, you know, come back. Follow us on Facebook. Yeah. They get posted there. Oh, yeah, they do get posted there. We actually have a Twitter, too. We, we do have a Twitter. Uh, I... Yeah, but, um, but yeah, do, no, look on the Facebook. Don't yeah, look at the Twitter. Just stay away from Twitter. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we've got a bunch of different things that we post on. Sometimes even Google Plus. Yeah, sometimes. I gotta, I gotta keep up with that a bit more. <laughs> Yeah. Uh but yeah, uh you know, follow us on uh follow us on Facebook. We've got a WordPress. Uh just look up vernacular games. I think we're still the the second. No, I think we are still the first three things that show up when you search that. Unique names are great, folks. Anyway, before we ramble too much longer on where you can find us, yes. uh, thank you for joining us and this is Santier signing off. And this is Redco signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyo.